Hey, my name is Cheryl Witten, and this is the Aromatherapist Podcast. My newest book, Essential Oil Dilution Guide, is the antidote to confusing aromatherapy instructions and bad recipes. This is the book you need to undo everything you've learned on the internet. In this book, Essential Oil Dilution Guide, I explore how to use essential oils safely. You can learn with me about essential oils and allergic reactions, irritations and sensitizations, phototoxicity, methods of application, types of carrier oils, how to dilute by age and health condition, the right way to ingest essential oils, contraindications for pregnancy, epilepsy, children, and more, and the aromatherapy secret everyone wants to know, the blending formula you need to finally properly calculate your own DIY recipe or blend. Essential Oil Dilution Guide is available now on Amazon. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, let's go over the Labrador Tea Essential Oil Profile. So Labrador Tea is the species Ledum groenlandicum or Rhododendron groenlandicum. It used to be mostly known as Ledum, but it now goes by the Rhododendron species name. It's also commonly known as Ledum, Greenland Moss, also sometimes called bog Labrador tea, settler's tea, St. James tea, tundra tea, and a host of other names. I use both Labrador tea and Ledum as names for this plant, so you'll hear me use both today. So Ledum is a perennial shrub native to Canada and northern United States, and it grows in bogs, swamps, peatlands, wet coniferous forests where there is high acidity and low nutrients in the soil. It grows mostly in northern climates and is a member of the Heath family, which is known as Ericaceae family. It grows fragrant white flowers from early May to June, and the leaves are evergreen and oval-shaped. And in early spring, the underside of those leaves grow orange hairs. So Ledum essential oil is steam distilled from the leaves. It's rich in sabinine, turpentine, foral, boronyl, acetate, beta-selenin, myrtinol, and a host of other constituents, as is the case with most essential oils. So the plant itself has many more constituents, including quercetin, um, arbutin, phenolic acids. It has a very high concentration of tannins, and the plant is also a source of B vitamins, vitamin C, magnesium, iron, zinc, and a few other minerals. However, of course, during distillation process, those don't make it through and therefore are not in the essential oil. So based on the plant's name, traditional use of fresh and dried ledum was as a tea. Labrador tea was used as an expectorant, so for coughs, colds, lung infections, other chest ailments, sore throats. It was also used as an abortifacient, and it was used for digestive complaints. So we have dysentery, diarrhea, kidney problems, as well as rheumatism and headaches. So Labrador tea is a traditional tea for the indigenous peoples of North America. And it's still a common tea that indigenous peoples drink today in some areas. So in the 1600s, drinking the tea was, Labrador tea was seen as an act of rebellion against the Boston Tea Party. So that's a little bit of history behind traditional use of Labrador tea. So there's a bit of a debate about whether drinking Labrador tea is safe. In some regions, Labrador tea is actually a couple of different species of rhododendron, namely rhododendron tomentosum, which is known as marsh labrador tea, and rhododendron neogladulosum, 
Sometimes you kind of just have to guess how to pronounce these, these scientific names. Anyway, these two species are more toxic than bog Labrador tea. Some reports say that Labrador tea causes hallucinations. However, it's not really true. Remember those orange hairs I talked about? They contain a constituent called Lidl. And these hairs can be scraped off the back of the plant. Traditionally, they were added to peace pipes and smoked, which can cause a mild euphoria, but not really hallucinations. So drinking bog Labrador tea isn't likely to cause hallucinations. It's safe to drink in small amounts, but drinking large amounts of tea can cause digestive disturbances and central nervous depression, which means things like exhaustion, dizziness, and drowsiness, which can be dangerous. It's likely that marsh Labrador tea will do this more than bog Labrador tea based on that Lidl constituent. However, when we look at the chemistry of the two plants, Lidl is basically undetectable in bog Labrador tea. So it's not going to be a concern. The plant was also traditionally used in baths or directly on the skin for ulcers, burns, cracked nipples, and as an insect repellent. And this is where we can use the essential oil. So in particular, Lidum essential oil has an affinity for the liver and lungs. Some texts talk about it specifically for the liver, and I'm going to get into those details in a minute, but this is one that I use to help stimulate liver activity and function, but also for those dull, achy liver pains. So not chronic back or liver pain, because that's a sign of a problem. You should go see that, see a doctor about that. I like Lidum for those dull, achy liver pains. So in particular, when we look at the chemistry and science of a Lidum essential oil, we see a few things. So it's high in sabonine, as I said. And sabonine is a monoterpenoid alkene and has a woody citrus piney smell. So Lidum is highest in this essential oil. So that is the typical smell of Lidum. Studies show that this compound is highly antimicrobial, especially when it's mixed with alpha pining. So Mixing Lidum and pine essential oil, which is very high in alpha-pinene, could be a great blend for antimicrobial action if you're looking for that. And some other data suggests that sabonine actually works better in a synergistic relationship with other constituents for antimicrobial actions better than it does alone. So we definitely want to look at blending when we're talking about using Lidum essential oil. Sabonine also has antifungal, antibacterial, and strong larvicidal activity against mosquitoes. Labrador tea is sometimes used for insect control and agriculture, and it's actually kind of an old hunter's tip. If you're in the bush and you, you know, in the marshes and the bogs, and you find Labrador tea to sort of take those leaves and crush them in your hands, and then you can apply that to your skin. So when you crush the leaves, you're actually releasing the essential oil because that's where we get the essential oil from. We distill those leaves. So you crush them, you release that scent, you can rub it on your skin, and you've got a natural insect repellent. And you'll you'll need to reapply that. You'd need to do that again you know, in an hour because it will wear off, but it is commonly used as uh, for insect control. And so when we look at Labrador tea essential oil bacteria activity, it was tested against bacteria that causes volatile sulfur compounds that cause bad breath or halitosis. So the essential oil was found to be antibacterial against the strain, so could actually inhibit activity of the bacteria that causes to release these compounds that cause bad breath. 
and it was actually able to slow down the release of those volatile sulfur compounds in a dose-dependent manner. So what that means is this is one area that we could look at researching a little bit more about whether this could ha- help with bacteria control for mouthwashes, toothpaste, etc. Okay, so when we look at practical uses then, according to some of this information, leading essential oil is helpful for coughs and colds, lung ailments, respiratory ailments, and given its strong antimicrobial activity, as well as that anti-inflammatory, antioxidant activity, it's going to be useful for skin issues. So healing wounds, inflammatory uh, conditions on the skin, as well as skin infections like dermatophytosis, which is essentially a ringworm. Uh, so when we get some of those dermatophytes that infect your skin, then we can use that there. We see in the data also specifically that sabonine is actually helpful in managing dermatophytes and dermatophytosis as well as inflammatory related diseases. So it's actually backed up by some studies as well. Other uses include achy muscles and joints. And as I said, I like this one for the liver and studies show that that leadum stimulates the cytochrome P450 enzymes, some of which are your liver enzymes. So when we stimulate that, it actually increases some of that metabolism, um, breaking down compounds that your liver is known to do. So we can actually use that to kind of increase liver activity and liver function as well. So what about safety? Well, specifically for the essential oil, there are no contraindications for Labrador tea, essential oil, leading essential oil. There are no adverse skin reactions in the data for the essential oil, Labrador tea essential oil, or for sabonine. And there is no acute toxicity, carcinogenic genotoxicity in the data either. So this one is safe to use on your skin in proper dilution in the diffuser. Would I take this essential oil internally? Well, some expert texts talk about using it internally for the liver, but I'm not inclined to use Letum that way. I actually find that I don't enjoy the smell of Letum, and the thought of actually taking this one internally and actually swallowing it down is kind of repulsive to me. It's, it's one that makes me gag just thinking about trying to get that one down. So I take that as a sign that that's one to leave alone. And as I said before on this podcast, it's a good idea to consider a few things. What is the purpose for taking it? What are you trying to accomplish? If it's for the liver, you're trying to take Labrador tea essential oil for the liver, potentially could be helpful because once you take an essential oil or you take a, a medicine, it goes to your stomach, it's broken down by the stomach acid, goes out into your intestine, gets absorbed through the intestinal wall, goes to the liver for filtration, then continues on to your bloodstream. So it could be helpful here for the liver in that way. If you're using it for the lungs, you have a cough or a cold, maybe actually applying it would be better here, right? Why would you ingest it? And in fact, actually maybe a suppository would be a better way to use that. But again, do you know how to use essential oils for ingestion? Do you know what to watch for, for signs of toxicity problems or interactions? Do you know how to protect inner tissues? Do you know how essential oils will affect your medications or how stimulating liver function will affect your medications? Since Labrador tea stimulates the CYP, then that means it could make you metabolize certain drugs faster, which could be a major problem. And that actually, that point is, is also a possibility when we talk about the herb as, and the tea as well. So internal use is usually best done with a trained practitioner. Taking herbs should be done with a trained practitioner who can actually 
make sure that that's safe because that's what they do. They've studied this stuff. So it's really best if you talk to someone before you decide to do that. The essential oil is safe for pregnancy. There are no contraindications for it, but the tea and fresh or dried plant is not. So this is not uh, the actual herb. Labrador tea is not one generally recommended during pregnancy or nursing. And one more point for safety, you'll read in places that Labrador tea essential oil also contains Lidl. And so if you remember, this is the constituent from the orange hairs that's mildly euphoric. And large doses of Lidl are not safe, just like pretty much everything in medicine, and can cause delirium and paralysis. These are, you know, either in really large doses or in concentrated solutions. But you'll sometimes hear that Lidl is a constituent in Labrador tea essential oil. And based on GCMS reports, as I said earlier, it's basically undetectable in the plant, but it's also undetectable in the essential oil. I haven't seen it. And based on texts and data, I'm not seeing it listed. So it's basically non-existent in bog Labrador tea and not a problem. I have seen it listed in GCMS for marsh Labrador tea, which is a different species. So this is where checking species name, knowing the difference in plants, knowing what to use, knowing what to look for is really important. Of course, as usual, dose and quality matters. Too much and inauthentic essential oils and impure herbs are gonna cause you some problems. So again, wise to work with a trained professional. Check the show notes and we can chat and talk about that for you. So Lidum is, is an essential oil I don't use a ton in my personal everyday today use. It's one of those powerhouses that I kind of bring out in times when I need to work on the liver specifically or I need something for the lungs. I typically just, it's one that I have in stock and occasionally I think, okay, I need that one, but it's not one that I would use day to day. So in my view, this would be one that would be sort of an extra special essential oil that you would get, not one that you would keep, you know, in your top 15 essential oils. But nonetheless, very useful plant. As an herb, it's you know, still people drink it as a tea on the regular. It's safe in small amounts, a couple times a day uh, in a week tea, totally fine to drink. All right, beautiful people. Thank you so much for listening today. If you feel so inclined, please subscribe, rate, and review this show. For show notes and more information on essential oils, please visit livelovelemon.com forward slash podcast. And we love to know what you're up to and how you're using your essential oils. So head over to Instagram and find us at the Aromatherapist Podcast. My name is Cheryl Witten, and I am your aromatherapist. We have to share with you this obligatory disclaimer. Information in this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not a replacement for medical advice or for professional aromatherapy consultation. If you need medical care, please visit your physician. Speak to your primary care provider, pharmacist, and a qualified aromatherapist before commencing any programs.